Well, it was indeed a sea of red and sorrow in Richmond, B.C. today. That is the sound of the RCMP pipe band that accompanied the body of Constable Shailen Yang today ahead of a regimental service. Thousands of Mounties dressed in their red surge marched behind the hearse during the morning procession to join thousands more, including police officers and first responders from across B.C., the country and beyond, to pay their respects to the 31-year-old Constable. Yang had been on the job for just three years. She was part of a mental health outreach team with Burnaby RCMP when she was stabbed to death while accompanying a city employee to issue an eviction notice to a man who'd been living in a tent in a small park. RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky told those gathered today for the regimental funeral that it's incredibly tragic that Constable Yang did not get the chance to fulfill her incredible potential. At a young age, Shaylin moved to Canada from Taiwan. Her upbringing and community involvement helped guide her to become the gentle yet brave, empowering and courageous individual whose life mission was to help others. Lucky also said, of course, it is a stark reminder of the dangers that all police officers face in the line of duty. Constable Young's cousin, Ash Tan, spoke of the sea of red surge at her funeral and of Young's lifelong dedication to helping others. It is my hope that what made Shailen Yang so extraordinary will become ordinary and that heroism will become synonymous with humanity because she has shown us all that there should not be a distinction between one and the other. Yang shot and wounded her alleged attacker during the incident. Uh, He made a brief court appearance today. He's back in court later this month. It was admiration for her dedication that stood out as vividly as all that red surge today. If you listen to that service, she served for all the right reasons. And in doing so, Constable Yang honored that uniform and the commitment she made to serve, to protect and serve. And it got me thinking today as the day progressed, how much that stood in stark contrast to what we heard at the Emergencies Act inquiry in Ottawa today. It had long been suspected that the Freedom Convoy was receiving a steady stream of leaked information from law enforcement. Today came confirmation, at least from a convoy lawyer, uh, that police and former law enforcement officers and ex-military personnel um, coordinating logistics, that they had indeed been passing on information to the Freedom Convoy. Keith Wilson shared that information about the leaks and the logistics assistance on Wednesday with the Public Order Emergency Commission, um, as well as Tom Marazzo, who was one of the organizers of the of the convoy. Here's what Marazzo had to say, then we'll hear Keith Wilson. You were getting information about what would, the police were planning ahead of time through sympathetic police officers, is that right? That's my understanding, but they weren't coming to me directly. They were coming from... Uh other other sources and then I would have conversations with people that that information was passed to them. So you're kind of like the clearinghouse for the intelligence I guess for the convoy? Uh, no, we I tried to decentralize that as well. That was a protest organizer Tom Murat. So earlier as I was mentioning the same question was put to convoy lawyer Keith Wilson. You were getting information from sympathetic police, is that right? That's correct throughout yes under oath he said that today um protest organizer pat king also testified today but let me go back to that whole issue of police passing on information 
if you're an Ottawa police officer, and you know, many police forces were named here today, Ottawa police, the RCMP, the OPP, and so forth. Um, outside, uh, Wilson even spoke about ceases, but not under oath. So we don't know quite what to make of it. Um, but if your duty is to protect and serve your community, and there's a huge protest there. Now, listen, you can have your own political beliefs. There's nothing against that. But if you've taken an oath to protect and serve your community, you have a duty to protect your community. That's what Constable Yang was doing, protecting both the people that she reached out to help, in this case, those with housing issues, the insecure, as well as mental health issues. She was protecting her community. If you were passing on information on the sly to people occupying your downtown, um, then you're not protecting your community, regardless of your political sympathies. And it's and it's a problem. A lot happened there today. To get some more details on what unfolded, um, Global News National Online Journalist Rachel Gilmore. Rachel Gilmore joins us now from Ottawa. Thanks so much for your time. What a day. Thank you so much for having me. So I guess the big question, what struck me as the big revelation of the day was this whole idea of police information being passed on to the uh, to the to the organizers. Really, what did we find out today? And was any of it a big surprise? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that we had some suspicions that there might have been some police officers, or I guess proof that there were some police officers who did support the convoy. We saw um, some uh, folks kind of do little TikTok videos in uniform saying they were supportive of the convoy and they got in trouble for that. But uh, I don't think we ever heard it in such stark terms and definitely not to the extent that we heard uh, today. So basically, the Freedom Convoy lawyer, Keith Wilson, said under oath today that, uh, you know, law enforcement police officers were sharing information with the convoy throughout the three weeks that they were in Ottawa, which is just gobsmacking. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't a leak. It was a steady stream, right? Yes, exactly. It's not just, you know, one individual, one, you know, mistaken email. It the the way that the lawyer characterized it made it sound like it was an ongoing concerted effort from officers who were actually as he said it supportive of the cause that the um convoy protesters were advancing. I suppose we should stick to what he said under oath, but uh, did we get a, an idea, idea of exactly who he was talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, again, as you said, this wasn't under oath. So, uh, you know, take from that what you will. But after the fact, he um, told reporters that he uh, or rather the convoy as a whole received information from the Ottawa Police Service, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Ontario Provincial Police and the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. Now, that's Canada's spy agency. So um, if that claim is true, that is extremely concerning and even has some, you know, implications like we we have five eyes partners that we work with on international intelligence. And if our security agency is, you know, willing to leak to uh, protesters domestically like this, I, I can imagine that our five eyes partners would have some questions about, you know, whether or not uh, CSIS is going to clean house. Um, it, it was just gobsmacking to use that word again to you yeah and and that was not under oath right so we we, women i I, I was gonna ask you how 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 credible do you think it all is 
that's always the question, right? Especially when there's people with such uh, different interests. And, you know, with a lot of the convoy protesters, we, you, you hear a lot of conspiratorial thinking, um, you know, the, the World Economic Forum and, and other right. conspiracy theories were brought up throughout the inquiry, even under oath um, by some of these individuals. But, uh, you know, the, Keith Wilson has been uh, slightly more reserved than some others. Um, and, you know, he is a lawyer. So, you know, he ideally has some understanding of, you know, these law enforcement bodies um, and, and they're sort of uh, the implications of what he was saying. I, I can't say I'm not in his mind. He could be just messing with us, um, but it, it's entirely possible that it's true. And we did see that there were leaks throughout the, the convoy protests. We've seen that in the evidence. So, yeah, it, there's certainly a nugget of truth in there, at least. We've had a lot of police officers testify already. Did that issue ever come up? Uh, so we did hear, and you'll have to forgive me because it's been it's been a right, long it's been a lot of weeks. testimony. I know, yeah. yeah. But um, I do believe that in some of the documentation, uh, we saw some concerns about uh, internal leaks. Uh, we also definitely know that there was a lot of infighting and disagreements about the best approach um, with respect to how to resolve the the protests. You know, there were teams that were negotiating. Uh, they're called PLT forces, and and they were going in and they were negotiating with the protesters, and they were frustrated by the Ottawa police taking more kind of rigid uh, enforcement action. It's not hard to see that, you know, the individuals having those dialogues um, may have, you know, offered up some information to try to, uh, you know, negotiate. Uh, but that being said, we, we really just don't know anything firm in that respect. But we do know that they were not happy with the Ottawa police's actions. And we heard from the convoy organizers today that those officers you know, vented to them after the fact and, and said that they were frustrated by the action that the Ottawa police took. So really? it, it, there's certainly, yeah, there's there's definitely some <laughs> concerning things that we're hearing so far. Yeah, I, I, and I guess throughout the day too, because I know this issue came out came up with another one of the organizers too about the leak of the information because we had a clip of it from, uh, from Tom Morazzo, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, the same question was asked. Uh, I guess we don't know really, I mean, Going thinking back now to those three weeks back in the winter, uh, we don't really know what kind of impact that information would have had. But I remember at the time there being a lot of speculation that that things were known before they should have been known on on the protest side on the convoy side of things. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that the convoy organizer, or I should say, uh, I believe it was the lawyer who made this comment, uh, one of the things that he said in the scrum after, you know, so no longer under oath, but he, he did say that when they got this information, they were able to kind of prepare themselves for whatever kind of response was coming from the police. So, uh, you know, one of the examples he gave was that people who had kids on the ground would be, you know, moved off site. But that also, you know, theoretically, if they have advanced notice, then anything illegal that they may or may not have in their uh, possession, you know, we there were large quantities of fuel, some of it really close to fire, uh, open fire. We've heard about that. There were fireworks being launched in downtown Ottawa. So, uh, and there were threats being made from individuals. Uh, there was one threat levied towards Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson. He testified from an individual who uh, was traveling to Ottawa with guns. So, 
theoretically, if they have advanced notice, then it really the sky's the limit with how they could kind of prepare and therefore maybe get out of or get into trouble. Not allowed to do anything. I've had absolutely every right of a Canadian citizen stripped of me. My freedom of speech, my freedom of protest, my freedom of everything. So am I correct? You can't use social media? <laughs> no. You are absolutely correct. Thank you. Rachel Gilmore is with us this half hour. She is the Global News National Online Journalist in Ottawa. Uh, we're talking about uh, Emergencies Act inquiry testimony today. Uh, some some fairly bombshell words today from Keith Wilson. He's the lawyer for the um for the was a lawyer for the convoy uh and was under oath today talking about how they were getting information from police according to them uh we don't know all the details of that but it appears they were getting being fed information by law enforcement while the protest was going on uh pat king got up today as well uh but i gather it was pretty quick uh he got a few questions got to talk a bit about why he was there and that was it they i guess they decided they didn't want to hear too too much about what he had to say Yes, it was a fairly quick, you know, cross-examination, especially the uh, most of the parties who have standing, which means that they're allowed to ask questions of the uh, witnesses, uh, opted not to ask anything. But those that did choose to ask questions certainly got some uh, interesting and sometimes fiery responses from King. What have, what have we, um, I mean, I know this was an important part of this whole process to bring organizers up, but as as we have a, as we start continue to fill in the canvas, um, we've heard from police, now we've heard from some of the organizers, where are we? Are we getting a better picture of what happened back then? I mean, we've sort of heard different points of view, we haven't heard from the politicians yet. Yeah, so I think we're definitely getting a better idea of the breakdowns on the law enforcement side. We heard a lot of really interesting stuff about, you know, the Ottawa police and, and how they perceived the convoy when it was coming to town. We've also heard about, you know, the OPP's intel that they had leading up to the convoy and, you know, what kind of concerns were raised then about the size of the crowds, how long they'd stay. Um, and we also have heard about, as I mentioned earlier, the infighting uh, between various levels of police and even amongst, uh, you know, forces themselves, you know, amongst members of the Ottawa police. We saw the chief um, for the Ottawa Police Service resign, uh, you know, the day after the uh, Freedom Convoy, or sorry, the Emergencies Act was invoked uh, to address the Freedom Convoy. And um, it, it, it sounded like he <laughs> wasn't afraid to uh, call out some stuff he perceived as being uh, unfair or inappropriate uh, from some of his deputies, including saying that he had a lack of trust in them at one point during the convoy. So um, certainly we've heard a lot of dysfunction there, but looking forward, we should have a better idea of the political calculations going on. And we're also going to hear, although we're not sure how much of it will actually be publicly available, from the uh, intelligence agencies like CSIS. So that should be so interesting. I'm really, really yeah. waiting for that. <laughs> I mean, it's been, I mean, just to hear more about it, from the organizers themselves, have they shed any light on what their plans were when they arrived? Because a lot, I remember with a lot of what was going on with law enforcement was how could you, how could you have thought they were going to leave after a weekend and not planned a contingency? Certainly Ottawa police came under a lot of fire for that. Have we heard from organizers at all what their plans were upon arrival? Had they definitely planned to stay for a long time? And that was well known on the way. And it felt like it was. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we did hear uh, as that as the um, convoy organizers were arriving, that someone phoned around um, hotels in the downtown Ottawa area and asked about booking them for a 30 day stretch. So obviously that is a massive red flag, but it's, it is interesting. Um, and, and we saw this when the convoy was arriving. I mean, I was covering it at the time and in the lead up to their arrival and it was really fascinating to see how many changes in kind of uh, makeshift leadership uh, happened over the course of those weeks. So it was sometimes hard to get a firm grasp of what exactly they were calling for, what they wanted to achieve. Um, a lot of kind of contradictory statements. At one point, there was a whole press conference about Bitcoin. Um, yes, I remember but, that. But, yeah. yeah. And yeah. actually, uh, you know, that is one of the individuals who's going to be testifying tomorrow, BJ uh, Dichter, who uh, set up the original GoFundMe alongside Tamara Lich. So that should be interesting. He was formerly involved with the People's Party of Canada um, and isn't super popular among some of the other convoy organizers and yeah, he's a little too close to the politicians so they didn't they didn't they, speaking of infighting they didn't seem to like each other all that much either <laughs> so you had police fighting you had the convoy people fighting um i suppose the one thing we're not any closer to at this point nor should we expect to be is whether or not it was whether or not it was justified to invoke the emergencies act which this is all about we'll find that out later uh rachel gilmore thank you so much thank you for having me this is great